welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris, and I'm here as always with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I are talking everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that sounds good to you, make sure that you go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on iTunes and Spotify. Again, the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Uh, separate from the A to Z sports feed. Uh, and all of our new episodes drop there every Monday, and you won't miss a thing if you subscribe. And then make sure you rate and review, because that helps too. You can follow us on social media. I'm at Charlie underscore Burris. Zach is at Zach TNT on Twitter, at A to Z sports on Twitter and Instagram, and then facebook.com slash A to Z sports Nashville, and A to Z sports Nashville.com for everything that Zach writes about the Vols, the Titans, Anything and everything to do uh, with Tennessee sports they cover. It's awesome coverage, and it's speaking of sports coverage, it's an interesting time to be a sports reporter. And I, I would say, you know, I I'm out of the full time sports reporting game. Thank God. Uh, so I'm kind of outside looking in. And tonight, Zach, it is it is Sunday night. I mean, let's just give it full context. It's Sunday night at 9.30. And it is, we did a podcast the night that sports got shut down. It was a a pretty interesting show. Uh, You can go back and listen to it on on the A to Z sports feed. And this feels similar. Because the initial reports started coming out this afternoon that there are Power 5 ADs that say college football's done. Fall sports are over. It's over, folks. Call it quits. It's done. But then, (laughs) now, uh, there's some pushback on that. Players are coming out and tweeting about it. What kind of craziness is going on, Zach? And let's just start. How are you doing? Well, I mean, I just got back from the the beach today. And on Friday and Saturday, I was kind of looking forward to what we're going to talk about tonight. I was like, oh, SEC schedule. It was dropped Friday night. Yeah, that's that's the main topic, and then all this news kind of starts, all these reports kind of start popping up yesterday and today and kind of take center stage where it's like, hey, is there even going to be a season? Are major conferences going to start canceling? Uh, is there even a reason to talk about a schedule that might not happen? So it's, it's it's been pretty crazy the last day, especially the last few hours, and these reports coming in from national reporters just so all over the place. Big Ten talking about maybe canceling the season at, at any time now, maybe other conferences following suit and some pushback on that from players, which has been really interesting tonight. It's crazy. As, as you said, the initial reporting was this. The heads of the Power Five conferences had a meeting this afternoon. It was kind of an emergency meeting. Uh, of sorts to discuss the coming season and, you know, sort of the status of everything. And the reports coming out of it was that the Big Ten's plan was to cancel their season and hope that the rest of college football would follow suit as as they did with conference-only schedules. Because it was sort of the Big Ten came out, they, you know, led the pack, so to speak, in terms of, canceling non-conference games, and then ultimately the rest of college football has followed. It seems like this is a different ballgame because the, the, it 
just from the tweets that, that I've read from national reporters, they were basically saying that the, the heads of the Big Ten were kind of saying, we're going to cancel, and shortly the rest of these conferences are going to play ball. Not so fast, my friend. Uh, and then you throw in <laughs> this this just this was at 858 a few minutes ago. Ohio State football parents release a collective statement supporting the 2020 college football season and asking the Big Ten to adopt the policies that have worked for the Buckeyes instead of canceling before it starts. This is craziness, man. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, the conference-only schedule thing, when the big, you know, conferences start doing that, other conferences kind of had to follow because the logistics of everything where you got some of your teams playing opponents from the Big Ten or the ACC and teams going conference-only, it just made sense then. Like, okay, you've got to go conference-only to kind of salvage the season. But now that you've went conference-only, the SEC doesn't need the Big Ten to play the ACC, you know, they, they can do their own thing and they will. I mean, the SEC is going, they're going to do whatever they want to do. And if anybody plays, it'll be them. But the pushback we're seeing now from the players and the parents, like you said, I mean, they want to play for the most part, the kids. And if the parents support it, it's hard to, to push back against that. If you're a national reporter kind of on the negative side of this, which we've seen a lot of. So, so this is how diverse the pushback has been, and this is just I I've been retweeting the retweeting these purely, I, realistically, just to keep up with who is saying it. Because really, <laughs> the players who have been pushing back have just be, been becoming more and more prominent. The biggest voice out of all this was Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, the, the best quarterback in the league. He doesn't. Let's start at a baseline with him. He doesn't need to play this season. In no, fact, it, it would benefit him to sit out. He's already exactly the top pick. It's absolutely I mean, in his best interest to not play this season. Look and at he is Tua. That drum. I mean, look at Tua last year. He's the top pick going into this year, and he, I mean, he was still a top five pick, but he he lost a few spots there and wasn't the consensus number one pick because of what happened this season. Same thing could happen to Trevor Lawrence. You could have another Joe Burrow that comes out of nowhere, kind of takes that top spot. Lawrence would benefit greatly from sitting, but he has been the loudest by far. Yeah, I mean, you, you got teams. <laughs> You got, they haven't admitted it yet, but you got the Patriots going out there. They're tanking for Trevor. You know, he's that level uh, where, where NFL teams are going, going to want him right up top. And, and he is saying, and I think very, very logically, let's track down here. Here is his threat. This is, you know, top quarterback, national championship winning quarterback, Trevor Lawrence of Clemson. This was just a thread that he posted. And, and I, I say, where's the lie when I read this? He says, quote, people are just as much, if not more risk, more at risk if we don't play. Players will all be sent home to their own communities where social distancing is highly unlikely and medical care and expenses will be placed on the family if they were to contract COVID-19. Not to mention the players coming from situations that are not good for them, their future, and having to go back to that. Football is a safe haven. For so many people, we are more likely to get the virus in everyday life than playing football. Having a season also incentivizes players to be safe and take all of the right precautions to avoid contracting COVID because the season slash teammate safety is on the line. Without the season, as we've seen already, people will not social distance or wear masks and take the proper precautions. I think he's absolutely spot on. It's an excellent point. And I, I think if you try to push back against that, I, I think there's... I, I don't I don't see a way to argue around that. I think he's exactly 
Right. And when <laughs> when I look at this situation, this isn't about the players at all. It's not really about player safety. It's about the liability of players getting sick and, and what that means for these schools. And that's it's a rabbit hole to go down that I want to I do want to go down to a certain extent. But he, I, I mean, I like I said, where's the lie? Where's the lie in this? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're getting players are getting tested if they're on campus. You know what they're doing. You can kind of you keep them. You're, they're not in a bubble, per se, because they're not employees, which is that whole rabbit hole to go down. But you still have them in a controlled environment for the most part, much more so than if they went home. You know, I think it really comes down to you don't want these players to have a voice is how it feels. And like it or not, they're proving tonight that they do have a voice and their voice is being heard and it does matter. And I think it's time that these conferences start listening to their players and and the parents of the players. See, here's when I look at this situation, thousand foot view, here's what I think is really going on. And I know a lot of people push back on this a lot. I may not want to see it happen. I, I get all the counter arguments. I've heard them all and I have rebuttals to all of them. But here's what I think is is going on. You have a college football system that wants to say it's amateurism. They want to say it's all it's uh, student athletes, and we really want emphasis on student. When in reality, it's a pro sport. It's pro sports. It produces billions and billions and billions of dollars in TV revenue, in merchandise revenue, in ticket sales. In you know you can go on and on and on. It's professional sport. You, the, the players practice as if it is their full-time job. They are celebrities. They, you know, it's, it's as I said, it's professional sport. And the NCAA wants to continue to dance around. No, it's amateurism. Amateurism. It's an amateur sport. <laughs> when in reality, the, the problem here is that, you know, you have pro football. Where in the NFL, they can say, hey, this is your job. You got to be safe or else we're going to have problems. You know, you, you can't do your job if you get this illness. And it's the same across all pro sports, NHL, MLB, blah, blah, blah. But you can't do that in college football because technically, as you said, they're not employees, even though they're treated almost exactly like one, including things like non-competes. And, you know, they these schools dictate where these players can transfer and things like that. Yeah, they're on campus when other students aren't. During holiday breaks, basketball players playing during holiday breaks. I mean, there's there's a lot of ways they're treated just like employees that people kind of forget about. Yeah. And so it when I look at this situation at an absolute baseline, all this is realistically is the powers that be in college football continuing to want to deny what college football is, where they they don't want to say that we can treat these players as if they're employees and lock them in a bubble, so to speak, you know, just however you want to put that, um, enact these measures that they need to enact to have the seasons be safe. Uh, and so the narrative has become coming from those powers that be the narrative is now, well, it's this liability, the, the long, the long-term effects. We don't know the long-term effects and, now it's the liability, the legal liability of the players. Our lawyers are telling us that this – you knew the legal liability a month ago. You knew the legal liability. It's not even a month ago. You knew the legal liability when all this started. I, you know, it's they're not dumb. 
in fact, they're, they're in power because they're a lot of smart guys who, who did a lot of really hard work to get to where they are. And, and just when I look at it, it's just a bunch of guys not wanting to say the quiet part out loud. And they are scared that this is going to push college football to change fundamentally into more of a pro model. And that's happening regardless. And if they don't adapt with it, they risk losing everything because eventually something is going to come along that bypasses college football where players can get paid. And I'm sorry if you're if you're a top rated athlete, there's only so much pull that playing at Tennessee or Alabama with the tradition has if you've got somewhere else that you can go and get paid for three years and then go to the NFL you're making a business decision at that point and it's going to happen eventually if the NCAA doesn't adapt I don't understand why they're fighting something that's so hard that is going to happen if they would embrace it they could kind of make it happen on their own terms but they're going to wait too long to where they don't get that opportunity yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be forced on them or they can get out ahead of it is what it seems like it's going to come down to. And may, maybe that change will happen this year. Maybe all of this will just accelerate. Yeah, this seems change. like this is going to be the catalyst for it because it really does. If you have players saying they want to play, if you have parents saying they want to let their kids play, but the NCAA doesn't or the, the major conferences don't want to let them play because essentially – they're afraid to admit that they're employees. I mean, that blows the whole thing up, essentially. It's got to be really scary if you're, you know, if you're Mark Emmert, president of the NCAA, and you see these players waking up to the power that they have. I think play, players, they always knew kind of the power that they have, but not necessarily how to wield it, where exactly to put the pressure. But well, they're unified they now with it. Yes. And, and now you have suddenly this movement has popped up this it's hashtag we want to play that's the form that it's taken on twitter all of these players i mean you're you're talking it's not just trevor lawrence just the latest one i saw was ian book quarterback uh notre dame you have amari rogers who's t t martin's son uh he says we want to play lorenzo lingard he's a player at florida he he says something like he said i want to play even if we got to be locked in, there's nothing at home for me. You have a guy in a situation like that whose home life's not good. Kylan Hill, star running back at, at Mississippi State. I don't want to go home for a reason. Everybody uh, everybody at home, hometown's not peaceful. People get killed every day uh, and weak in my city. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's pushback coming from all sides. And that's, yeah, I mean, if you're Mark Emmert sitting up there and you just push this narrative for – nigh on decades at this point that oh it's amateurism we have to protect it's it's student before student athlete and blah 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 it's got to be horrifying because the the pressure is coming down and and kind of the 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 mask is coming off of this entire situation i think and it is as weird as this situation is oh and then you have i mean this was another latest one justin fields quarterback at ohio state big time player um also saying we want to play it's i mean the train he's coming. another and he's another player <laughs> he's another player that doesn't necessarily need the season to happen nope i and so this is gonna be an interesting interesting week i i do get the feeling that by five o'clock tomorrow a lot of what we say on this podcast probably gonna be obsolete <laughs> And like the situation will have changed. I I think you might see something like the big 10 backing down from canceling the season, or you'll see the big 10 doubling down. I I don't know exactly where this is going to go, 
But the, the players speaking up like they are with big, prominent players, some of the best in the game who don't even need to play this season, saying, we want to play, let's make it happen. I trust the medical staff. I tr- trust the coaches saying they want to play. It's all coming to a head. It's, it's going to be a crazy week. <laughs> well, I think that's why the SEC kind of pushed their season back to September 26th. I'm not sure if the Big Ten had pushed their start back. I think they were still kind of scheduled to start earlier in September. But the SEC has been planning to kind of give themselves a few weeks with students coming back to campus to kind of see how things go. It's hard for me to see the SEC making the decision based on what the Big Ten does or another conference. So I think the SEC's decision will probably drag out a little longer, even if the Big Ten does do something by Monday at 5 o'clock or some point this week. It's it's going to get messy, it's What whatever does happen here. I'm not sure exactly where you can even go. I, I try to trying to think of what the, sh- the solution would be to get this thing worked out by the time the season starts. If you just, I mean, maybe the solution is just to keep it at what it was going to be all in conference games. Each conference has a champion. And then you can kind of over the course of the season, see where things are at come January. Maybe you have a playoff. Maybe you don't. I, I mean, I think that was kind of the plan uh, earlier this week, three days ago. Um, but you have, so this, I, I was looking for this week. I've been looking for this. And I finally found it again. Matt Hayes, national college mm. football writer. Uh, he, this was a tweet that he had where he said, Power Five athletic director just texted me, quote, you and your colleagues are chasing the wrong story. The virus alone is enough to stop the season, but presidents are terrified of players organizing. It's the paradigm shift to change amateur sports. You potentially lose one season with the virus. You lose the entire framework of your mission statement if players organize they need time to figure out how to attack this that's that's it so there's an anonymous ad saying what we've been saying which makes sense but Um, and that that was yesterday he he tweeted that out that was an ad saying that yesterday but what they're doing right now with these leaks and i have to imagine they're leaking some of this information just to kind of see some of the responses and and how it's received and what people say but they're empowering the players. I mean, they're giving them a reason to unify and kind of make their voice heard right now. Yeah, absolutely. And and this, as we've already said, this was already coming down the tracks, and this is just speeding everything along at kind of warp speed. Clearly, these administrators are are scared of exactly <laughs> they're scared of exactly what's unfolding. They they really. It's it's had kind of a Streisand effect of of sorts, I guess, if, if that's how you want to put it. You know, Barbara Streisand didn't want the media taking pictures of her house, so she she publicly said or she publicly blocked photos of her house, and all that did was make people interested in pictures of her house. Um, and so, kind of in this situation, you know, you have these ads trying desperately grasping at things to try to shut we shut this down, and then maybe the players won't organize. And but in fact, by doing that, it's made the players organize. <laughs> now, uh, it's it, it's it's all just this, this is going to be kind of the, the tip of the spear in, in some sense when it comes to the the questions about amateurism. Now, what I don't understand is if they don't have football season this year. We all understand that there's a huge negative economic impact for the schools, the conferences, the communities, the towns. 
I mean, it stretches very far. And if you pay players, you set up that model, yeah, you're going to lose money, but you're not going to lose anywhere near the amount of money that you lose by not having a season. I mean, are they, do they really think that they can fight this off forever? Like it's just going to go away after this season. That's why I think you'll see the SEC figure out a way and maybe they're the only conference that plays. I don't think they'll care what other conferences do as long as they can do it without having a bunch of positive tests happen or like a Miami Marlins situation where a program has to shut down for two weeks. But the, I could see the SEC playing their 10-game schedule and all of a sudden your SEC champion is your unofficial college football yeah. champion. And that's just going to put the SEC – that much ahead of all these other conferences. I mean, they're already the college football conference. It's just going to put them a step ahead of everyone else. And and you already have. We've talked about it on this show just weeks back. Um, Tennessee has been recruiting guys with this uh, build your brand moniker. Come to Tennessee, build your brand. And really what they're saying through that is that we're going to be on the leading edge of these NIL rules, NIL, NIL rule changes, which is name, image, likeness, which that that was already shaking out. the The SE or the the NCAA is going to be changing the name, image, likeness rules soon, where players can make money off of their name, image, and likeness. And Tennessee, and I'm sure they are certainly not the only school doing this, but Tennessee was really taking advantage of. Hey, this rule is about to change. You come here, we're going to get you set up like we're gonna make you a, a household name and and that's like part of their recruiting strategy and so like that stuff is is already happening where you have like co- you have college coaches guys that are in the system in in positions of power that are not fully on board with this whole amateurism thing they're you know guys that are already trying to to move on you know uh, get get to this new sort of model that's probably coming down down the pike and so it's i think we're seeing there's a big disconnect between uh school presidents administrators and coaching staffs where massive. i mean that's readily apparent right now i imagine most of these coaches probably want to play i would never want to speak for these some of the coaches but i bet even the ones considered at risk probably want to play otherwise a lot of them would have opted out by now because truthfully just being on campus right now going through workouts and whatever they're doing is the, is one of the major risks i mean the game is only a small part of it that's three hours on a saturday you have the rest of the week i mean you're, you're working out together your meetings however that's being handled that's one of the biggest risks and one reporter, I can't remember who it was, suggested that they wouldn't even send the players home if they canceled the season. They would keep them on campus. And what's the point of that? Uh, yeah, I I do. <laughs> You're going to keep them on campus. <laughs> that's the whole worry. If it's because that's and that's where this whole argument is from from the school administrators is so dishonest. It's just in such bad faith. It that's, is. That's what, that's what I hate about it. It's not about player safety. Give me a break. If it was about player safety. You'd you lock them in a bubble. You'd you know you'd be doing all of these things and and taking all these precautions. But if you're going to keep them on campus, well, okay. They, with football season, they'd be filling their days 
with going to practice. They'd be filling their nights with hanging out with their teammates, blah, 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 you know, and, and trying, as, as Trevor Lawrence said, they'd be incentivized to be safer and, and all these different elements. But if they're still on campus, <laughs> but not playing football, all they have, to, you know, you go to class around tons of people. You go and party around tons of people. You hang out with your friends with, you know, people who are just being as unsafe as, as you. That's, Give me a break. This isn't like we all we all get what's going on here, right? Oh That's, yeah. Come I mean, on. Because honestly, college football players would be easier to put in a bubble than NFL players and even NBA players. I know there's the sheer number, but you're talking about football players, NBA players have families, children, wives that they don't want to be away from. I mean, that's tough. Or you can have college kids for the most part. I bet a lot of them would be willing to do it. They're, they probably already feel like they're in a bubble to some extent when they go away from school, especially in college football world. I mean, you're you're kind of structured in such a way that your weeks are planned out for you. You don't really have a choice when you have free time. You're told when you have that free time, and you're told what you should be doing when you have that free time. So you could do it with college players, but you know, then you'd have to admit that they're being treated like employees. Never admit it. Then it's not real. Yeah. That's that's the policy. <laughs> I mean, you know what this feels like? Very it feels very, very similar to Shiano Sunday to to me. It, it, oh yeah. Yeah. Because it's you had the the national media guys floating out the story. You know, Dan Dan Wilkins says it's it's Shiano. Shiano's coming to Tennessee. And then it was this slow groundswell of Tennessee fans going, What? Greg Shiano? And then it just, it grew, it grew, it grew. Then it was, you know, you had state representatives tweeting about how they're going to boycott if Greg Shiano's the coach. You had like everybody it just piled on and it became just this massive thing. And eventually it overturned um, the, the, you know, the hiring of Greg Shiano. It's, it feels similar where you have the national media guys floated it out there. The Big Ten wants to cancel the season. They're hoping all the other leagues follow along. And then it's just... You know, first it starts with the fans being like, what? And then now it's the players and it's, and it started with kind of periphery players. And now it's, it's Trevor Lawrence. It's, as I already said, like Ian book, Spencer Rattler, quarterback for Oklahoma just tweeted. We want to play like it's, it's, it's growing. And I, I think they're at a minimum, these administrators are going to be hard pressed to not at least have a full on like conversation about what is happening right here because it's it's so clear ju- just like John Curry with Tennessee fans uh the players with these administrators who are making these decisions the disconnect there is just clearly it's a chasm it's just massive the disconnect between these players and these administrators and some well, something's got to give ultimately i mean the decision should lie with with the players and the coaches they're the product they're the ones on the field they're the ones out there every week, every weekend. I don't understand why there can't be a situation where you have player council members that kind of step up and represent the team. You have a some sort of public meeting where decisions are made. I mean, that would be a level of transparency that I'd love to see in college football in general. I don't expect it to happen, but I feel like that's the way they should go about it. Now we have this. I mean, this is all just in real time. Henry Toto said, 
on Twitter. Worked way too hard for this. Yeah, they've had him, Alante Taylor, Brian Maurer, Jarrett Darantano, plenty of balls. Uh, Jalen Hyatt that that signed with Tennessee, his dad saying that he trusts the Tennessee medical staff. I mean, when you have that amount of players uh, that that want to play, parents that back it, the conversation has to be bigger than something that happens in a back room somewhere between administrators, and they're the ones that get to make the decision. It's just not right. It's not. It's, uh, you know, this is, as we've already said, it's just, it's a, it's an argument that at the high levels is just, it's a conversation that's being had in bad faith where, and, and without the true breadth of the information of what's actually going on here. Well, this, uh, Bill Connolly from ESPN just, uh, put out there that West Virginia athletic director, Shane Lyons, who is the chair of the football oversight committee, told ESPN that no one has talked about a plan. If the season is canceled, if it is canceled, we need to be able to give clear direction at that time, as opposed to saying, we don't know. So he's basically saying we haven't talked about anything. So there's no way that this can actually happen. So I kind of wonder if some of these national reporters, I think uh, Pat Ford from Yahoo or wherever he's at now was kind of one of the ones that, that kind of broke some of this today. If they kind of took this and ran with it before it was really a story. Very possible. Um, And now, so, okay. If that's true. So you have, okay. And this is from Nicole Auerbach. I believe she works for the athletic. Yeah. She said, source characterizes the power five commissioners call today as a regular meeting. Not an emergency meeting. So it's, has, like the, it's like the old game of telephone or whatever, where you tell, you know, I mean, that's what journalism is right now, I guess. Has a, so this whole, <laughs> the irony here is pretty amazing. This whole week, sports writers have been defending themselves because there's there's this whole set of people, and I, you know, I don't really even care about giving my opinion on this. <laughs> this is kind of a nuanced situation, but there's. There's been this whole set of people that are like, these sports writers just want sports to be canceled. They're so negative all the time. They just want it to be canceled. And then it's been this whole set of all these sports writers going, we don't want sports to be canceled. We're just reporting the news. And it turns out that now, maybe, these guys put out a little bit of a sensational headline, it appears. Possibly, possibly, I'm not making any accusations. Allegedly, they may have put out some sensational headlines, and now it's created from from these sports writers. I, I mean, this didn't happen without them doing this. These sports writers started a groundswell mm-hmm. that has now gotten huge college football players to come out completely against the the cancellation of the season. And these sports writers, you know, they this whole week they were like, "We don't have that much power. We we don't like." No matter what we say, they're not going to cancel the season because of what we say. Well, what you said has caused all these players to come out and say they want to play. So what you say does have some bearing on things. Which is uh, pretty humorous because, uh, you know, a lot of these sports writers, the Dan Walkins, we've already seen that they have close relationships with athletic directors. That's oh, yeah. some of their main sources. I mean... We have proof. We have the text from from John Curry to Dan Walken and him agreeing to kind of 
spin or to do, do PR work for, for Curry. So, you know, the athletic directors have to be just completely just it's the whole thing backfired on them. Totally. Totally. If, if that's, if that's the case again, yeah, if that's the case, allegedly, but, if that's, if know, that's what happened, but to, it but certainly to appears stay, that way with what like, we're seeing now. These guys tried pleaded all week. What we say doesn't have any bearing on the season. We can be negative all, all we want. That's not going to make a difference in what happens with the season. It's just that's the situation, and they're going to make that. Well, what you said did have an impact here. What so, you said had an impact in these players coming out and saying this because it got thousands of people talking on social media. It got parents to write a letter. It got these players to speak out. Like this stuff does does matter whether they think it it does or not. Uh, and you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying they're necessarily wrong saying that their negative headlines would have caused the season to be canceled. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm saying in this situation, what they said did have consequences. I wonder if you're, if you're one of these sports writers that's been kind of thriving off the negative news, you see these players speaking up in this way and see their parents. How do you, how do you uh, respond to that? I haven't really seen many national writers or reporters really saying anything in response. Yeah, I've seen a lot of local people who cover teams like Austin Price uh, from VolQuest kind of speaking up and some of those guys, but I haven't seen any of these national writers really saying much about the players speaking up yet. When you got Trevor Lawrence saying what he's saying, if you're Dan Walkin or one of these guys, how do you refute that? I mean, they're the ones playing. They're the ones that we should be listening to. I don't know. I mean, is is the line that you take just players don't know what's best for their own I safety? I see that. Like that's that's. When but I then when you got your really parents, you got. You take. But when you got parents speaking up. Yeah. So is it is it that parents don't know what's best for their children yeah. now? Is that going to have to be the line that they take? Because that's the that's the corner that's that not they a, painted themselves and that's into. That's not a that's not a good road to travel down if you're a sports artist. It's not going to end well for them. You're not going to go up against college football parents and win. Ever. No, Mm-mm. no, no, no. And I, 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 you know, I've seen different guys. Like, it seems like, and, um, I retweeted, I think it was Andy Staples. He was like, some of his stuff was a little more pragmatic. Um, Matt Hayes, who I tweeted earlier, he was kind of, some of the quotes he got from other ADs were a little more, you know, not, not so much panicky, cancel it. This is over, you know, college football's done sort of stuff. His was a little more. I think he you know, kind of sees more of the underlying story, though, of what what's really at stake here. Yes, and I mean, let's let's not even get started of the full implications of what canceling a college football season means, because any anybody that is completely ignorant and thinks that this is just a sport, it's not just a sport. There are whole whole cities in the southeast that depend on college football. Oh yeah, I mean, look at Tuscaloosa. I mean, what? Yeah. How does that city get by without oh. their what six, seven, what seven, seven, eight home games that they would probably have I mean, this I, fall? I, I mean, I just think about you have, um, I guess, in in Knoxville, a notoriously hard place to operate a business in Knoxville is the Strip, which is the if you're not familiar, the the main drag on campus where there's a bunch of bars and restaurants, and it's notoriously difficult to run a business down there. The parking is awful. And the main portion of your business comes from a game day, you know, a football game day. 
you know, you that's when you draw your huge crowds. Some businesses can thrive down there, but a lot, you get a revolving door of businesses in a lot of those slots. So you have a bunch of businesses there. They're already kind of operating in the margins during a regular year because they, they rely sort of tenuously on the sport. And, and now if that season got canceled, they're done. Those they're done. Oh, and that's and a that's whole the, set on employed people. And, and that's, and that's the case and, in most of these towns outside of, you know, Vanderbilt and Nashville, most of these towns are in the same similar situation, a similar setup where they're relying on that. I think not Knoxville, Nashville. Knoxville is a little luckier that it has a little more commerce. I mean, it's a city. Yeah. Not Knox County on the whole, I think it's a half million people without college students. Like it's, it's a little bigger, but yeah, like a, a Starkville. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. That's all of it. There's nothing out there. In Starkville, it's Mississippi State. That's it. That's that's what's there. It's I mean, the what's in uh, in the town? Fayetteville like, in in Arkansas. I mean, same thing. I can't imagine that they're. And if, and like if you're of the if you're of the opinion that just like this won't affect the academics at these schools, let's mm. let's start there. Because when at, a, at an SEC school, this is probably different. In like Northeast schools, I don't care about football as much. But at an SEC school, uh, if you're good at football. Your admission numbers go up. If you like, you you have just a whole set of implications that come along with having the season canceled. That's it's it's not just going to affect all other the sports. It's it sucks for these football players. No, it sucks for the rowing team. It sucks for the tennis team. It sucks for local business owners. It sucks for coaches it sucks for administrators it's gonna suck for professors because the school's not gonna have as much money as it had before like the tendrils that go out and out and out from this it's not just a sport i mean it's not gonna be the end of the world sure but it's anybody that's looking at this casually and and again i'm i i don't think anybody really is but for, for anybody who might just be thinking, oh, we'll take a year off, we'll come back next year. It's not going to be that easy. It's not going to be that easy. Especially now that you're having this conversation with these players that might lead to the, you know, the am- amateurism conversation. That's a whole other cog in the whole thing. You know? Like, it's, uh, it's serious. This is serious. Well... I'm afraid that the road they're about to go down, that if, if, if they choose to do this, is going to have such negative implications on the sport like you're talking about that we will never really recognize college football as it's been uh, again. Like It's going to be completely different. And I hope that they recognize that and they can adapt with it because it is possible. They can do it. They can adapt. Other sports have adapted they can make it happen, but no, they're not on the same page. Uh, as evidenced by this statement from West Virginia's athletic director, that's good news for college football not being canceled, that they haven't discussed a plan, but that's also kind of tells you where they're at with their leadership. How have you not discussed this? We've been talking about this since the spring, and you don't have any sort of plan? I mean, how is that even possible? You can't wait until it's it's on the verge of happening to suddenly start discussing it you've had since march to know this is a possibility you really had since may to know it's a very serious possibility 
and they haven't even talked about it. That's obviously that doesn't give me much hope situation. for them. It doesn't give me much hope for them adapting to anything. Exactly. <laughs> like the the thought, like what were you guys doing this whole time? Just sitting around drinking scotch in your office and like thinking about how all this is like funny. Like what's what were you doing? If you, because <laughs> you like, and maybe maybe I'm projecting and thinking. I, I'm sure that they were extremely worried about this, dialed in, trying to make a plan, doing whatever. You know, they would tell you, "Oh, it's a fluid situation." But dude, nothing's changed since. Like, this might be the most frustrating part of the whole thing. The Big Ten earlier this week puts out its schedule. So did the SEC. It put out this 10-game in-conference schedule. Nothing changed in four days. That's true, yeah. And, and then all of a sudden, oh, we're going to cancel the season. We got to, oh, Suddenly, I've, I've had an epiphany. I, God spoke to me in a dream. What happened? Nothing yeah, changed why? in four days. Why put that schedule out if you're <laughs> on the verge of doing this? Buy yourself some time? You think of, yeah, I didn't even think about that aspect of it. That is true. Yeah. And they, obviously, no... <laughs> look, the schedule that they put out, especially the SEC, is a schedule that they intend the season to happen because, man, they're giving Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Florida to some extent, they're giving them an, an easy road because they want their premier teams to finish their 10-game season with you know, they want as many teams in a playoff if it happens as possible. And it's almost laughable the way that they schedule these teams. I mean, what, LSU got, was it Missouri and Vanderbilt or something? Or, I mean, and then Arkansas is basically playing every, it's like the <laughs> toughest schedule. LSU, I think. Yeah. Or, I mean, Missouri got Alabama and LSU one of the two. Like, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean that that when they put that schedule out, I was like, yeah, they want to play. Otherwise, you'd give uh, Georgia and LSU. You'd have them play. Like, well, if you're not going to play the season, let's let's at least make it look good. But uh, they don't know what they're doing. Is is what it boils down to. They're just kind of making it up as they go along, and it's 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 not a good look. It's embarrassing for. for it's for it is. Conferences. It's completely embarrassing. Like I, I like G Man Vols, just a you know prominent. Tennessee fan on on Twitter he's he's kind of talking about what we're talking about literally right at the same moment he just tweeted he said apparently waiting until the last minute to do an assignment applies to both college <laughs> students and administrators <laughs> yeah no kidding they've treated it like it's a problem that they don't want to deal with and if they just push it away maybe it'll just kind of work itself out yeah this this really is it's a college kid procrastinating about writing his paper till 3 a.m the night before where they're just like Oh, I guess we should address this now. I feel <laughs> like whoever, like the NBA, they could have stepped in and solved this whole thing for them in June and had a plan. I mean, when when the NBA kind of came up with their bubble plan, well, that was in May, I think. And, you know, the season didn't start to the end of July. I mean, that's two months ahead of time that they planned and had something in place. And it's worked. It's worked perfect so far. College football could have been doing the same thing this whole time and come up with a plan way back in the summer instead of just hoping things got better. Because I think by 
by this summer, we kind of knew that things weren't going to magically be better by September or October. Like, and they're not going to be until I don't know when. I mean, I hope soon, but we we have no you know indication that that's going to be the case. It it was always going to be a factor. We didn't know that potentially, you know, what's what's unfolded is that in the the southeast, you you've had these larger outbreaks in these in some of these states. In fact, most of the states that involve SEC schools, you've had larger outbreaks than some other places in America. We didn't know that was going to happen. But we always knew this was going to be a factor. This wasn't just going to poof and go away. Like it's that was never going to happen and we knew that in in April. Like it was prominent enough then. Yeah. It wasn't just going to disappear. We didn't know what exact form it was going to take. But I mean, I think we all knew that even if the season happened, it was going to be like with it was going to be weird. Like safety precautions of some kind, but just yeah, what level? Is it a bubble and capacity it, and, and yeah, all that? Those are the we were having those discussions in in May. Yeah. And and these guys we were have, we were apparently the uh conference uh, athletic directors and stuff were not no kidding man i i do i do like yeah you you mentioned austin price of all volquest i just saw his what he tweeted oh and here so i follow jeremy pruitt's brother <laughs> on on twitter um and he just retweeted austin price jeremy pruitt's brother retweeted austin price saying this is Austin Price's tweet. Lots of those national guys who have pushed the negative outlook for months are pretty quiet right now with kids and parents pushing back. Those same guys may not be against the season, but only talking with negativity pushes a certain agenda and outlook. That's pretty much how I feel. Like, I don't think any of these guys, none of these guys want the season to be ended, but they also, it's, I think it could be a few things. I think they know that negativity gets clicks. Because mm-hmm. it's, you know, people are, oh, no, it's the season's canceled. What is going on? Or or I, I think there's some element of these guys wanting to be, like, right, I guess, where they, they've been negative from the start, and so they don't want to be wrong about their negativity, so they kind of double down on it. And then it, I think it comes off in this sort of, like, quote-unquote, rooting for it way. I, I don't think – I mean, who knows about – Dan Wilkin, that guy's a total clown. <laughs> he may be the, the one, but I don't think any of you guys are 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 right out, you know, rooting no, for I bad think, things to happen. Right. But. I think they want the football season to happen. I think everybody. Yes, wants I do. It. You I really cover, do. They cover, I mean, that's what they do for a living. That's their job. But I do think there is some some amount of like virtue signaling that goes on where you, in order to take the coronavirus seriously, because it is a, a serious thing. You have to view it as, you know, this horrible thing that's not going away anytime soon, which is probably the case. But it's like you have to approach it with this sense of negativity. And that seems to be the whole attitude of like, that's how we prove that we're taking this serious. I think there's room to be optimistic or be hopeful, not necessarily optimistic, but to be hopeful and still take it serious. Yes. I, and I mean, that, that's exactly it. Like, I think I've, I've tried to stay on the the optimistic side of things, the realistically op- optimistic. You know, the the breakouts are real. I know people that have gotten it. I, you know, I I personally know. Like, I have a grandmother in in a nursing home, and I know how dangerous it is. Some someone in their nursing home has died of this. Like, it's 
it's in my life. It's around me. I've taken it seriously. I wear masks out places. Also, I get excited when I see positive news and I go, oh, that's, hey, look, that's good news. And it just seems like some of these guys just ignore that and only go for this yeah. negativity. And it's just, it's, it's just exhausting. If yeah. nothing else, yeah, it wears me out where I just go, God. Man. I mean, I don't you see know. why. I mean, I'm, I've been hopeful this whole time. It hasn't paid off, and I'm going to continue to be hopeful. It's been a horrible thing that, that's been going on, and everybody wishes that it wasn't the case and that it wasn't happening. Yeah, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful I wake up tomorrow and the, and the virus is gone. It doesn't mean I think it's going to happen, but I can still be hopeful that things will get better in due time. And, and maybe they will. Please, Lord. <laughs> I hope so. But, but I mean, currently right now, this is the situation that we're in. And no matter how much these administrators want it to go away, that's what's happening. They can't avoid it. Here we are, and they need to face it head on. They need There needs to be some amount of acknowledgement of how much the ball was dropped here. Because what if we go hindsight 2020 and say what they should have done, what they should have done? was this, the NCAA should have taken charge at the beginning and said, here's what we're going to do, this, 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 if, you know, and, and essentially say, if you can afford it, great, if you can't afford to do all these safety measures, because testing's really expensive, doing, you know, having great medical staff is expensive, like, this stuff's expensive, and a lot of these programs don't have the money, as we've already seen, all these leagues shutting it down for financial reasons. Um, what they should have done is is had a a body-wide set of uh, borders, you know, rules that they all had to abide by that would have gotten everybody on the same page. And then you could have avoided this total fallout. And so I, and like I said, hindsight 2020, whatever. But these guys, they're going to have to come out to some extent and be like, we screwed this up. No, I don't know what the exact form that's going to take. I don't think they're going to admit it. No. Per se. But the way they're going to have to work around this, either way. I mean, can, canceling the season is going to be an admission that they screwed it up. Or the Big Ten, you know, reneging on on their wanting to cancel the season, that's going to be an admission that they screwed it up. So, <laughs> you know, either way, they may not say it right out. But there's going to have to be some amount of we uh yeah we dropped the ball on this one guys you know yeah, and i don't think there's any way for them to save face at this point if they just if they have to cancel the season there's no way that they can go back and kind of make it look like they're doing it for the right reasons at this point just because they're there really hasn't been any attempt besides what going to a conference only schedule which has provided its own set of jokes with uh you know conference lines coronavirus respecting uh, certain borders and, and all the jokes that we've seen on Twitter in, in the past few weeks. I mean, that seems to have been the only effort that they've made to kind of make this season happen instead of some, you know, I think there was some uh, guidelines from the NCAA this week, uh, safety measures, but you know, we're, we're a month out from the season happening. That's stuff that should have been happening months ago before the players came back to campus. It like you said, there, there should have been effort. Yes, a very unified set across all conferences instead of, I mean, that's the reason that they really went to conference only is because you can't control what another conference is doing, but you can control what your teams are doing. And the NCAA should have took the lead on that instead of 
leaving it up to the conferences. It's a total mess, and I I don't envy <laughs> these administrators and what they're going to have to do uh, over the next couple of weeks. It's going to be completely embarrassing for some set of these people. It's a tough spot. Uh, I, I think because I think the, the, the SEC right now is kind of smelling like roses. Yeah. Because, you know. They can they, do. Yeah, they could go either way. They didn't take a stand. They didn't. They didn't really do anything. They've only they followed the lead so far with the Big Ten, and then in this, they've kind of just laid out and been like, mm, "Let's just let's give it a second, see where this goes." And now, the SEC can make a move without Greg Sankey looking like a total dummy, um, like the Big Ten is going to have to in some to some extent. And I'm sure, and I I feel like I should say like there's a lot of people in athletic departments and in these universities that truly do care about the well-being of these kids. Like I'm not, I don't I'm not trying to paint everybody with the same brush here that everybody is on the same page as trying to suppress the players and their voices. I, I know there's a lot of people that really do care about the kids and care about their well-being. It's just not everybody's on the same page with that. Yeah, and I think naturally so. It's with with every, with the way that this has played out, obviously it has separated people into very disparate groups for a whole, you know, it's not even just the virus politically, like you just get right now, it's just a very divisive time to be alive, mm-hmm. frankly, <laughs> to yeah. be alive in America at least. And, and so it just sort of comes along with the territory, but this could have been handled so much better on every single level with an actual unified response. And again, Hindsight is twenty twenty. It's great to be in, in the future and be able to look back and say this is what you screwed up. But here, this is where we're at. Let's look forward and say where does this go? So my my prediction as of right now, when I look at it, I think the SEC is is going forward. No, no matter what, I don't know exact exactly what form that will take. That's my prediction personally. I <laughs> I think the SEC's thought right now is, hey, if nobody else plays, all four teams in the playoff are from the SEC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's their whole thought. And so I, I don't know where we go from here. And, and I already mentioned it earlier on the show. I think everything that we kind of say here might be obsolete by noon tomorrow. I hope it's not. I hope it. <laughs> I, yes. I, I hope not. Cause it's, I, I love this conversation. I mean, this is, well, I don't know. I love it. I wish we weren't having it. I wish we were just talking about fall ball right now, but I, in, in this current, current climate, I mean, I, 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 I kind of into some to some extent, I like this sort of rising up for the players, the players uh, recognizing their power and the problems that that gives these uh, these administrators because it's it's been coming down the pike and it's finally coming up to bite them. You know, it's been long enough. We're talking about the players, you know, putting their voice out there and and making their voices heard and wanting to play the, the hashtag we want to play. You know, the one person that we could hear from that would probably change everything Nick Saban. <laughs> Seriously, if that guy, if he puts it out there and, and, and kind of falls in line with what the players are saying and, and gets behind that, that could change everything for the SEC because yes. that is the most powerful person in the SEC. He, that, well, at this point, any coach that's not Derek Mason <laughs> coming out <laughs> and... And and saying hashtag we want to play or something like that at this point that's gonna really turn the tide. Of course, that I don't think like, that's gonna happen. I think they're gonna let the I players 
speak for themselves. I don't think yes. they're going to get in the, involved with that. And, and I think that's probably good. Um, for if for nothing else, it's for that. You know what I mentioned earlier with Matt Hayes's tweet. You know, and the the quote from a Power Five AD saying the, these administrators' biggest fear is the players organizing. I, I think it is it ultimately if these coaches really look at the situation if you know if they look at the forest instead of the trees i think they're going to notice that it will be good for this change to happen long run for college football this change has already been needing to happen let's get it over with let's rip the band-aid off let's go and and if you're like i said if you're a coach looking at the forest instead of the trees you're going to recognize that that's the case and then you can go from there and and you're probably sitting back saying maybe you know if i'm jeremy pruitt this is what i would be doing i don't know that he's doing this i'm saying if i was him I'd be sitting back going, have at it, young man. Make your voice heard. Let's take this movement and and really make make something happen because that's better for all of us. It's better for the players, and ultimately it's going to be better for, for the coaches and, and college football in general. And God forbid that the NCAA and these schools make a little less money. Oh, oh no. They would have to just, you know, give up a little bit of that bag. Sorry. But that's the situation that you're in and the situation that you put yourself in, frankly. Well, they wouldn't have to bow to boosters quite as much if they would uh, if they would get on board with this because boosters kind of, you know, do a lot of behind-the-scenes work for them with these players. They could kind of be a little more autonomous in their own departments if they would get on board with this. I don't know if they realize that or not, but that's a completely different conversation. I don't really go down that rabbit hole too much. <laughs> <laughs> the whole... The whole thing is messy. I we, we could talk circles around it forever, I think. We're already at an hour. And I've you know, I've let my piece be known. This whole thing gets me worked up. because um, just college football, it's it's needed a shakeup. It has. And it was it was slowly happening with the NIL rules. And then now this is this thing's staring staring college football and college sports in general in the face and if it's handled correctly, I think this could ultimately end up, I, I don't want to say good, because the situation, situation sucks. The situation blows at, but, at the but end of the day. But it is the situation, and there's I, no going back I'm on speaking, it now. Take, take, the, take the virus out of this and that whole situation, because it's terrible, and we want everybody to be safe and healthy, good to go. Um. But take that out of the equation and say this change that could happen here ultimately should be good for college sports. And let's already just rip the Band-Aid off. And at least, at least, and when I say that, I don't mean pay the players tomorrow. I mean, let's have a conversation about it. Let's sit down at the table and say, say something like, just admit, maybe amateurism, the model doesn't work. Just say that, and then let's go from there. That's all I want to see is a good faith conversation, if nothing else. Um, and maybe oh. we can go from there. But it, as far as the situation with this, you know, the, the virus canceling the se- season potentially, whatever may be going on there, as of right now, it looks like, as we said, the SEC's, you know, they're not weighing in. I think it's moving forward. These players... The leagues that may want to cancel, they basically have a mutiny on their hands, it appears. And so... Yeah, well, Ohio State is kind of... Yeah, I mean, that's... Known. That, 
the, the biggest team in the Big Ten and their quarterback and one of the, the biggest, most high-profile players in America says they want to play. Good luck. I don't envy a leader of the Big Ten, president of Ohio State. Good luck with that. I'm not sure what's going to happen this week. We'll see. Um, but but at the end of the day, this is an, an intriguing, intriguing situation. And I, I just hope for the best out of it. I want, I want the players to be safe. I want the players to get what's best for them. At, at the same time, I do want these administrators to, to not just be drawn out and quartered. They're human beings with lives and families. I, and and they're, they're as infallible as anybody else. Or they're as fallible as anybody else, I guess. Uh, they can screw up. I think they have here. <laughs> and I, I just want what's best for everybody. And I... Hmm. Good luck figuring that out. At least I don't have to. There you go. Yeah. I would not. Yeah. I don't want <laughs> to be my job. Position. I'm not, <laughs> not getting paid to do that. So we'll leave that yeah. to, to them here, to screw up. I'm just here talking out into the ether. I, I think that's it. We're at an hour one, man. And I'm tired. And we'll, we'll just put this out. See what happens. I'm sorry. If you're, you know, I, I know there's a lot of people that still aren't on the pay college players train. Fair enough. I get the arguments. Fine, fine, fine. I'm sorry if I offended you or whatever, but that's, I'm not going to lie to you on this here podcast and we'll, we'll just leave it there. I'm Charlie Burris. That's Zach Reagan. Zach, any, any parting thoughts for another crazy edition of this nutso off season? I just think we need to listen to the players that are generating all this revenue, uh, whatever, in whatever scenario that is and in this situation it's about whether they play or not so they're the product listen to them is what it is that's it charlie burris at charlie underscore burris on twitter zach at zach tnt for zach the a to z sports podcast network feed go rate subscribe review yada 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 you know what to do just go over there and do it I'm not kidding. I really am tired. I'm going to go sleep. That's it. We'll talk to you all next week. Peace out. See you guys later.